Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's Market View time. Good morning. You will have an overview of markets with me, Michelle, in minutes. The moment I get my mic to stay down. Down, Mike. All right. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, he's Ryan Huang. How's Thursday looking, Ryan? Good morning, Michelle. Looking pretty good so far. How's your morning going so far? Good morning. It's been really busy, but the good news is everything's much quieter on the roads. How quiet are we talking about? I think people are all planning their Christmas lists and Christmas shopping. So let's say 80% of the cars oh, I usually encounter are not there. Smooth sailing roads. <laughs> Thank goodness for the day. All right. Let's start this morning down on Shenton Way with a look at the health of the Singapore exchange. A couple of indications, unfortunately, that the local market could be doing better. I want to start with a comparison of new companies that are raising funds in Singapore versus the number of counters that are delisting. Now, in good times, we would expect to see more IPOs. Well, with only a few trading days left in the year, so far there have been 17 companies and ETFs to list in Singapore since... Uh, January, think of Combat Telecom, right? They kicked off the year with an IPO in January. And then there was uh, 1.7 Live. They went public via a special purpose acquisition company just about a fortnight ago. So that is about 17 companies listing. How many companies have left the Singapore Exchange in 2023, Ryan? Yeah, good question, right? How many have left the building in that sense? Hmm. And we have... 25 the listings so that's actually been something of a concern in recent years folks leaving the main board as well as the catalyst board uh, so let's talk about the 25 that left since the start of the year till December 13 so all in 25 is 11 fewer than the prior year so not that bad but still question marks you know, is this going to be more to come or would it start to decline in terms in the numbers of uh, the listings? So that's where, if we look into what's playing out in the landscape, we can get maybe some inkling of what's to come. So if you look at why people were delisting this year, especially in the lead up to the end of the year, it was because of market conditions improving. And that will mean um, you can get the chance to cash out. And then you've got tougher acquisition guidelines also kicking in from next year. So that's where it gets a bit interesting because right now, uh, as it stands, you have the opportunity for controlling shareholders if they already own a controlling stake, for example, 80% of the company. They need to get 90% of the remaining 20% to be on board. So majority pretty much of the remaining 20%. So that's the requirement. But there is a bit of a loophole. They can form a separate entity, a new vehicle, to buy up shares to make up that 90%. So in effect, bypassing that requirement. So from next year onwards, mm-hmm. this loophole is removed. So this will make it tougher for controlling shareholders to buy out the company in that sense. So you have that obstacle next year. So you've got a bit of a rush for the door in a sense for the listings in the lead up to 2024. Okay, so 25 companies are out. The flow is being staunch, though, of delistings. Uh, 25 out mainly due to liquidation or failure to meet exchange rules. Others have been acquired or merged. In the meantime, of the 17 companies that raised funds in Singapore this year, only one, the renewable energy counter Sheffield Green, 
is in the green. Most of the rest are trading below their offer prices. Uh, one of the worst performers uh, is the most recent listing, 17, 1.7 Live. The live streaming media company started trading a fortnight ago after they merged with Vertex Technology in that SPAC listing. Uh, shares of 1.7 Live, they've fallen some 70% below their offer price, which is not a good sign for tech listings or for the SPAC market, I think. We've talked a little bit about this on the show recently. You'll recall SPACs were all the rage in the U.S. some two to three years back, but mm. following increased investor scrutiny, they seem to have fallen out of favor, which makes this month's listing of 17 Live appear to be particularly behind the times. Okay, we have another piece of bad news for the SPAC market. What is it? Yeah, so this is where... Another SPAC is in focus. It's not looking good because as the journey goes, you put up a SPAC, it needs to find a partner to combine with, and then the SPAC. Well, one of them has not been able to do so, and it's Pegasus, which is backed by European Asset Manager TK Howe Capital. Mm-hmm. And these are the guys who have quite strong backing. Uh, this is also with... Uh, backing from Financier Agachi, which is a luxury goods company um, that LVMH Chief Executive Bernard Family Office is backing. So they've got pretty strong backing. Despite their backing, they have not been able to find a good deal enough to merge with anti-spec. So in the lead up to this, there was some talk in the market that this would happen. They would not be able to be successful and people were cashing out. So that saw the price of the SPAC down below its $5 starting price to four eighty four, And then it came out of the announcement that it's not going to do any deal. So the pressure is on for the last one, which is uh, NTAA. Okay, so this leaves NTAA. That's just one more SPAC in the Singapore market. Uh, NTAA or Novotelis Alpha Acquisition, that's what NTAA stands for. So what's likely to happen to it? Okay, so a lot of speculation. They might go down the same road because uh, what are the chances of them coming up with you before the deadline by the end of the month? But they have come out to say, hey guys, um, don't take it too seriously what you're reading into market rumours right now. All those rumours about us not being able to get a deal done, they are what they describe as inaccurate. Uh, They will make an announcement in due course sometime this week. So that's what they are leaving investors guessing for now. We'll have to see if that's going to be the case. Alright, so NTAA is facing a deadline. It will need to announce a merger or liquidate within the next month. Given what we're seeing in terms of listings and delistings, if we take a step back, Ryan, what, if anything, do you think the Singapore Exchange can do differently to attract more investor interest? Yeah, I think if, as we've seen with the 1.7 Live um, debut, at least when it comes to the despecking uh, process, there wasn't a lot of Interest in staying invested, people were cashing out. So on that front, if you think about it, you need investors to be interested enough to go long term, not just you know, taking a punt on what's going to be the next big fat. So you need a strong, compelling story. And that's one thing. How do you get a strong, compelling story, more investors interested? Mm. You have to come up with interesting companies, good companies. And you need to come up with the incentives, the motivation for them to be listed in the first place and then go for the spec listings and for investors 
on the other part of the equation to know about these companies. And that's where they should be coming on to your show, Michelle, that's to it. do more interviews. That's exactly the answer, Ryan. You hit the nail on the head today. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. It is worth keeping in mind that the Singapore Exchange is not only a trading platform, it is also a listed company. Shares of SGX down nearly 5% over the past quarter, but they're still in the green for the year, up about 6%. I'm going to check in on US markets now, everyone. The Dow Jones Industrial Average snapped a nine-session winning streak overnight. Night, the S&P 500 suffered its worst loss in nearly two months. Take a look at the numbers here. NASDAQ, S&P 500, both about 1.5% down. They both fell. The Dow finished 1.25% lower. FedEx, the worst performing S&P 500 constituent. Now, we talked yesterday about its disappointing sales numbers. FedEx finished down about 12% overnight. So what do you make of the sell-off last night? Do you think profit-taking, really, or that markets may have peaked? Yeah, perhaps a sign of profit-taking after a nine-day winning streak for the Dow and the NASDAQ. So both of them had their worst session since October. And you've got S&P 500 having its worst session since September. So let's talk about what's been playing out. We didn't get the optimism coming through in the past week or so after the FOMC break decision, saying, hey, maybe we'll get some recuts on the table next year. And then you've got the markets starting to price in more than what the Fed was signaling. Double, maybe six or five rate cuts. So in the wake of that, we've been seeing in recent days more Fed speakers coming to the fore, giving interviews and giving their commentaries about what to expect. And they've been trying to tone down the Fed's message that maybe we might not be out of the woods yet. Mm -hmm. They might be still having to do with keeping rates restrictive for longer than expected. And in that sense, the momentum was sapped to some extent. People started to recalibrate their expectations. And I think that's where you have right now, after a strong rally, markets starting to take some profit off the table. And maybe the Santa Claus rally will be uh, not as exciting as we hoped for. All right, five companies to look at now. It's corporate news time. We do it up or down style. First up, a company that owns the social media platforms, TikTok and Douyin. I am talking about ByteDance. How's it doing? All right, let's take a look at ByteDance. And for TikTok fans, you've been helping out with their fortunes. They are doing pretty well. Mm. So their sales have broken the $110 billion mark. Let that sink in. $110 billion. That is a lot of money. And so much so, it's overtaken its arch-rival Tencent holdings. So a big sign that TikTok is really muscling into the e-commerce space. Wow, what a what a what a number, right? ByteDown's reportedly grossing more than $110 million US dollars this year. Billion. That's more than its top rival, Tencent. ByteDown's also growing faster than Facebook's parent company, Meta. Definitely an up for TikTok's parent company, ByteDance. Let's look at McDonald's. Growing everywhere as you speak. Hmm. Look at that. Shares already up 10% this year. HSBC has initiated coverage of McDonald's and it really thinks that the Golden Arches are a buy. What do you think? Yeah, let's take a look at McDonald's. Hmm. And that's where you've got a buy from HSBC. In fact, the target price is indicating an upside of about 9%. And a couple of things that it thinks it's got going for McDonald's is a strong franchise model, higher earnings growth, and what they believe is improved 
operational efficiency. So I suppose more people are, in that view, going to McDonald's, buying more stuff, upsizing perhaps as well. Mm. So more profitable business for McDonald's to come. Incredible business. Still all the rage. Let's look at Lenovo. All right, Lenovo is an up for me. And Mm. this comes with a potential 60% rally that might continue as the AI buzz continues to be a a bit of a halo effect for many companies like Lenovo. So they are in the mix uh, as, of course, the top PC maker. And of course, in time to come, there's a lot of talk about how many of these PCs will be what they describe as AI enabled. And of course, Lenovo is coming up more AI products as well. And also the recovery of the PC demand, which has been going through a bit of a slump in recent times, could be a turnaround catalyst for Lenovo as well. So the coming years are looking pretty optimistic for Lenovo. All right, the Chinese firm's products tied to AI investors really like that. Lenovo shares, look at that, on a roll, up 30% since October, 60% since the beginning of the year. Analysts think that this stock, the PC maker Lenovo, still has more room to run thanks to an AI server project that it launched just this month, as well as more new AI products that are in the pipeline for 2024. I am definitely giving Lenovo an up. Are you on a Lenovo right now? Um, I've got my Lenovo's. Yep. So looking at those optimistic price targets, Goldman Sachs is one of them. Uh, they've got a price target indicating a 15% upside. So if hmm. that's what you're looking for, Lenovo could be something to check out. Interesting. Next up, let's look to the world of media with Warner Brothers Discovery. All right. They are talking about merging. So it is worth looking out for Mm. a potential merger of two media giants, Warner Brothers Discovery, which itself was already a merger. And Paramount Global, not in great shape. It's been going through some tough times. It's been settled with debt. So it needs something going on. And a merger could be the ticket out of its troubles. So it is in talks based on reports and they are talking about what the shape of the deal is likely to look like. So the talks still in early stages. A deal may not materialize, but promising that there is something on the well, proverbial table, so to speak. So a lot of speculation about Paramount's future. You know, it might be bought out by someone. It could be Warner Brothers. Mm-mm. Warner Brothers has also reportedly hired bankers to explore the deal. So the two media, BMOS, reportedly exploring a merger. In fact, the two CEOs, Paramount Global, Warner Brothers Discovery, they met overnight. Shares of both companies are down in after-hours trade, but I think that these merger talks are going to end up giving them a boost. So I will give Warner Brothers Discovery an up. Although I think Paramount's probably sends more to gain. Uh, Capital and Ascendus Reed. All right, this is going to be an up for me. And this is in the news where they've got the divesting of three properties in Australia at a premium to valuation. So they've managed to cash out with profit. Indeed. So Capital and Ascendus Reed is selling three logistics properties in Australia for nearly $65 million, 6% by the way, above the property's market valuation. So I'll give Capital and Ascendus Reed an up. Next, let's look at the UK where the country's highest court has made an extremely interesting ruling about AI. It says artificial intelligence cannot be legally credited 
with an invention. Patents, it says, can still only be issued to people, not machines. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's quite a complicated topic to get into, right? Yeah. You know, what is AI? What is human? What's and a person? how do you even yeah, what's a person? How do you enforce it? Because you could just say, hey, I did this homework. Actually, my AI did it. Who knows? Anyways, it is interesting because with all the applications out these days, how AI scrapes internet for data, it just combines everyone's IP together to form its own stuff. But if you think about it, that's how how the world works these days. You know, you browse internet, you Google search for research, you put stuff ideas together from different people and that's how songs are being made as well you're sampling from different songs to remix songs so it goes down a bit of a rabbit hole how do you draw the line between what is new what is old and who is being able to be credited for these inventions but I suppose mm. no, it is a good start to draw that line where you need a person to be held accountable for the patent at least As we see more AIs act autonomously, I think we're going to keep debating this. Um, You know, we we would like to anthropomorphize AI, said a a lawyer quoted in this piece by CNBC, Tim Harris, said it's increasingly easy to anthropomorphize AI and its accomplishments. But the UK Supreme Court has reiterated the Patents Act requires an inventor to be a natural person to obtain a patent. Um, so the needle clearly not moving uh, on this, but I think, you know, if you've ever written a paper, an academic paper, and you see how you have to credit every idea to its source, there is something still to be held, I think, about giving credit where credit is due, mm-hmm. uh, which AI does not do because it smooshes everybody's ideas together. So for, for now, I think it's great that the UK Supreme Court has upheld this ruling. Yeah, on a legal basis, it does make sense because you want someone to be um, held accountable legally for taking stuff if they do it for, you know, mm. without citations, for example. Mm. So who's responsible for the AI product, right? It's got to be someone. Like, if you think about it, it has to be held to some standards, some ethics, and some values as well. So you've got to put someone behind the, I guess label. Yeah, for accountability. I like that. The UK ruling stems from a case in which a man listed AI as an inventor. The UK Supreme Court has said no to that idea. It says an inventor must be a natural person. Fantastic. Well, have a great day ahead, Ryan. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.